You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that close to next. Big jab there from Duffy and Fred Fear is hurt now. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshitters. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Headshot, bang! I feel like we need a theme song, Kenny. I don't know if we need an introduction song. I think we need to buy the rights to a hip-hop song so that I can hear that as a music bed leading into our show. Could we do that? Dude, we got to do that. If any any, uh, any well-known hip-hop artists are listening to the show, Hit us up. Let us know. Special Teams, they have a song called Team Florian. You can look <laughs> it up. Special Teams with a Z. But uh, I do think we need some sort of hip-hop. Can you imagine if we had, like, Break Your Neck by Busta Rhymes just leading into the show, how fired That'd up be I'd sick. be? Hard That'd time be keeping my body still as is. <laughs> it is Monday, the 20th of March, 2023. It's episode 397, I believe, of the Anakin Florian podcast. You're all dressed up. You're wearing a collared shirt. You and I don't necessarily put a collar on unless there's a reason. Is there a reason for the collared shirt? Not really. All I, right. You look really. good. I just, I just wanted to wear something. I don't know, a little collared shirt. I'm running out of t-shirts. I don't know. You're a pretty fashion forward guy. Always have been dating to when I met you, 2007. Does your wife ever get on you for dressing too casually? My daughters and my wife get on me constantly for dressing too casually. I, I don't want to show anybody the bottom half right now. Yeah, I, I think with uh, two kids and two dogs, I think we've we're both in that boat of dressing too casually. Yeah. We're just yeah. like, we don't care anymore. Uh, we're busy. Uh, whatever. Yeah. It's about so. comfort. It's about comfort. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> A lot to get to today. We will talk to Forrest Griffin. We will talk to Ray Longo. So many layers to get to on UFC 286 and a lot of fights and a lot of close rounds. Uh, but all hail Leon Edwards, the still UFC welterweight champion. And we get so bogged down in scorecards and close fights and everything else. But I just have to say, watching that championship fight in 2023, I feel like these are the two best welterweights in the world. And Leon Edwards won that championship fight, whether 3-2, 4-1, point deduction, everything else. I felt like Leon Edwards largely controlled the dance, landed the more consequential shots, and uh, leveled up 20 to 30% and, and probably needed every bit of it to beat the otherworldly Kamara Usman. Uh, John, that's exactly how I saw it. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I picked Leon Edwards with uh, 100% confidence, but I was confident that he was going to come back a completely different fighter with a whole bunch of, uh, of of confidence heading into that fight. But, you know, confidence is an interesting thing. They say it's difficult to attain but easy to lose. And I think we saw that kind of contrast with, with Usman a little bit. Um, I don't think he was affected. I don't think Kamara was affected by the knockout per se, but I think as he was getting outstruck and, and perhaps out grappled round by round, I think I saw an Usman that kind of um, was getting away from what he does best. I don't think he had as much confidence in his pacing and his ability to grind and pursue those takedowns and control Edwards on the ground. Edwards had had done his homework. He was composed. He was ice cold throughout that fight. Um, and man, was he clean. He was hitting some beautiful counters. And I think that took away the confidence of Kamaru Usman. But for me, there was the, the strike of the fight 
were the kicks of Edwards. Yeah. It slowed Usman down. Those leg kicks were absolutely brutal. He was smart to go to that well early in the fight. It slowed Usman down. It took away his confidence. Um, and Usman was close in a lot of those rounds, but quite wasn't quite able to do what he wanted to do. I gave one round uh, to Usman. I gave him round three with the point deduction. That would have yeah. been, of course, a 10-8. Yeah. But I had rounds one, two, four, and five for Edwards pretty clearly. Um, just a fantastic and technical performance from Leon Edwards, um, who I think will go on to be uh, much more appreciated as we see him more and more. Yeah, I thought rounds four and five were exceedingly close. I really delayed in writing down a scorecard in round four. And by the way, uh, if you didn't see what I posted on social media on Monday morning, I did go back and watch the fight on mute, muted myself. Thank God. Didn't want to hear that again. But I wanted to watch it from that perspective because you can certainly trash my scorecard on the broadcast. And sometimes when I come here and talk to you, the scorecard matters. I do feel like if Usman was Caucasian, Kenny, you would have heard us really talking about the inside of his thigh and other parts of his leg because of discoloration. So I'm glad to hear you mention that. I don't know if you could speak to how hard it is to place a body kick, but like Leon didn't miss and he didn't hit the elbow and he didn't hit the shoulder. He just kept hitting the body and right on the belt line. And, you know, I'm not saying he's the best striker in the welterweight division. Maybe he is, but certainly I feel like he's got to be the best kicker right now in the welterweight division. Dude, he was an absolute sniper. Um, no wasted, not a whole lot of wasted movement. Everything was taking great effect. Uh, and I, I think we saw that, um, you know, the, the altitude did have an effect yeah. uh, on Edwards in that in that second uh, fight. And um, this time around, I think he was he was breathing normally the whole time. You know, there were times where he slowed down a little bit in rounds four and five, but still, Everything he threw was with a purpose. Everything he did was with a purpose. I loved, I thought also what was brilliant about what he did was his cage wrestling, which is a spot where Kamaru Usman has dominated the competition time and time again. But what he did is by being up against the cage and positioning your body in certain ways, you only allow for like one or two takedowns. And if you can control that wrist and stop yeah. Usman from getting those hands clasped, you can take away so many takedowns. And I thought Edwards had just did a better job of doing his homework and executing in that trilogy fight. The risk control was outstanding and you got to have the strength and the positioning and everything else to do it. Obviously there was the early glove grab, but uh, yeah. I thought that risk control was a big factor. Just the lateral movement of Leon Edwards again. And for me, I don't always have the keenest eye, but going back and watching on mute this morning, I think gave me a better appreciation appreciation of that, especially when you're watching to score and really trying to watch every strike. Gilbert Melendez said on the post-fight show that Kamar Usman was hesitant and you sort of alluded to that earlier. Do you feel like it's fair to say that he was hesitant? Yeah, I, I think he was hesitant as they were fighting because um, I, I don't think it was something that he necessarily came in with. But I think Edwards was on point with his ability to slip, take away the jab, slip that jab, slip some of the punches of Usman and counter. And I think it kept Edwards, uh, it kept, sorry, Usman off balance. Um, and also there were times where we saw Kamara Usman. Uh, get his knees buckled a little bit on a few of those shots. There was yeah. a kick, there was a punch, there was a knee, and those were the shots that really stood out to me. I don't remember any shots necessarily. There was a good jab by Usman, but I didn't see that same kind of effect 
take hold of Edwards like Edwards' shots were taking hold of Usman. Now, we can go back and say, listen, it's never good to get knocked out. And when a fighter does get knocked out, the very next fight, especially, yeah. rarely do we see them the same. You know, you, you you do become more susceptible to knockouts as you get knocked out. Um, and perhaps that that uh, father time and, and wear and tear is taking effect on Usman. But I think as Edwards was countering Usman, Usman started to lose that confidence. Yeah, I thought he looked a little bit slower. And again, there was a lot of good in Kamar Usman. I, I scored this fight a draw when I watched it back. I really did. But I do think I could have swung round four so very easily. And I did say on the broadcast, by the way, at the end of round four, I didn't say big round for Kamar Usman, but I did say, you know, I like his body language after what was a big round for him because I did think he had moments. And I did feel like Leon Edwards, at least for the first half of that first fourth round, if memory serves didn't really do necessarily a whole lot but largely I did think this was Leon Edwards's fight just the way I felt like it was Islam Makhachev's fight against Alexander Volkanovsky just in totality when those two fought and I know people disagree with that um, but I did have written down Kenny yes there was one big jab from Usman one big elbow from Kamar Usman that I thought hurt Leon Edwards but yeah in in some of those even close rounds even if round, in round two maybe if memory serves uh, there was a big Leon Edwards shot that I felt was too jam damaging to ignore based upon what I know of the criteria right now in 2023 yeah. so uh, congrats to Edwards uh, Usman's 35 years of age and uh, I don't know if Usman would have gone out of the sport depending on a different result here, Kenny, but he is one of the ultimate competitors. He is one of the all-time greats. And uh, even if he isn't a prime Kamar Usman anymore, and I shouldn't necessarily say that because uh, many people believe he beat Leon Edwards on this night, um, but he don't want to go out like this, Kenny. So what are your thoughts before we get into all the Leon stuff uh, on Kamar Usman, totality of this performance and the former champion moving forward? Yeah, I, I think Usman, uh, you know, it was a close fight to, to me. It really wasn't terribly close, but I, th I thought it was clear for Edwards. But anyways, uh, for Usman, I thought he came in, um, you know, uh, with the right mindset. He was saying the right things, it seemed to me. I thought he performed extremely well. I think the big thing, and it's something he's been dealing with for a very long time, is the health of his body. Uh, particularly his knees. And as you get older, you're going to have more injuries that are going to pile up. This isn't a guy who is coming to mixed martial arts fresh. Uh, he's been doing wrestling his whole right. life. Uh, that takes its toll on your body. Yeah. Uh, Usman, a very physical guy, uh, but that can only take you so far. At a certain point, your body says, well, we're, we're going to yeah. slow down a little bit. And I think we're starting to see that a bit. Can Usman still compete with the very best in the world? No question about it. If Colby Covington is to face Leon Edwards next and and somehow mm. Edwards loses that fight to Covington, who do you think is going to get the next shot? It would be Usman. So I think Usman knows that very well. He could be a champion again uh, in the very near future. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I still think there's a lot of great fights for him. I still think I would imagine that he can make a ton of money in this sport still. Yeah, uh, will always be one of the greatest welterweights of all time. There's still a lot of fantastic matchups for him at 170 or even at 185 pounds, John. Yeah, no, a lot of big fights, super fights potentially at 185 pounds, as you mentioned. It's weird to think of Kamar Usman in a non-championship setting. 
but he's going to have his Hall of Fame night, and uh, it might be two years from now, three years from now. But you're right, in terms of realizing a couple big paydays as main events or back in a championship fight if he gets there, I don't know what his show money is, but it's got to be pretty good. And I guess in terms of who is next for Kamar Usman, it's kind of inexorably linked to what is next for for Leon Edwards. But uh, poll question for today's Anik Florian podcast. I go radio mode every time I do the poll question. It just makes me feel like we're on the radio. I was actually going to chase the Chidi Enja Kawani audio file because we don't have a pronunciation of the week later this week, but I want it as a drop, Cody, you know, just to hear Chidi. Eating better has gotten a whole lot easier with Factors Fantastic ready-to-eat meals. These meals really are delicious. My daughters actually were fighting me for them just last week. These meals are chef-crafted, never frozen, and ready to go in just two minutes. The convenience and the taste value is absolutely undeniable. And depending on your preferences, you can choose from over 35 different options per week. That includes Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto as well. I happen to have gone with the Keto option. But whatever it is, your lifestyle or diet, if you are looking for fast premium options with no cooking required, Factor is the perfect solution for you. And we've done the math for you. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And how about this robust offer from Factor? Head to factormeals.com slash flow50 and use code flow50 to get 50% off. That's code flow50, F-L-O-50 at factormeals.com slash flow50 to get 50% off. Anja Kawani. As a radio drop. Poll question for today's Anna Florian podcast. Who would you like to see Leon Edwards face in his next UFC welterweight title defense? And uh, there's a lot of uh, Bilal Muhammad noise out there. And obviously his interview on the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel and the clips on the DraftKings YouTube channel are a live conversation with Bilal Muhammad on Monday. 34% of you believe, well, I shouldn't say believe, or 34% of you would like to see Bilal Muhammad be the guy for Leon Edwards. 27% Colby Covington, 16% Kamzat Chimaev, and then 23% of you, the Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal winner. Those guys are fighting less than three weeks from today. So our audience pretty split. And the reason why I included the name Kamzat Chimaev, Ken Flo, is because it's interesting. If Hamza Chimaev was able and willing to make the championship wait right now, I do think they would put that fight back together between him and Leon Edwards. But, you know, I mean, Andreas Michael, his head coach, wanted Hamza not all that long ago to be clear-intentioned on a welterweight championship trajectory and have his whole life and focus be that. And obviously that's not the case. So I guess in some part, I would lead with the fact that it's disappointing that right now Chimaev is going to 85 and not willing to fight for the welterweight title. Cause I think that would be the fight. They scheduled it back in 2021 and uh, Hamza still the fucking man. Uh, he is. Um, I, I think he matches up extremely well at 185 pounds. I think he could win the belt and retain the belt for far longer at 185 pounds than he would at 170 pounds, I think. But way better fights for him at 170 pounds. As far as you know, selling fights, man, there, there are a plethora of options for the UFC and for Hamza at 170 pounds. But I think he's probably tapping out to making that weight cut again and again and again. And the UFC, of course, wants a champion that's going to be able to do that repeatedly without hiccups. Right. Uh, and I don't know if l- that's long-term viable for someone like Hamzat. But right. yeah, th- this guy's exciting as hell, man. It's a shame because, uh, again, so many great fights at 170, but at 185, uh, th- there's a few few of them out there that uh, are very exciting yeah. and juicy. 
We even talked about the long-term viability or lack thereof of Hamzat Shimaev winning the welterweight title and defending the belt repeatedly on Fight Island when he was all the rage way back when, when he had those two fights in a short amount of time. It just didn't seem realistic that he could make 70 repeatedly. Yeah. Back to back to back. Cody's pissed. So our producer, Cody Marrow, is upset. So, uh, I know, and I understand this too. I'm just throwing the hypothetical before we get into all of the other relatively juicy stuff, right? The emotional stuff. I'm just talking about this because I find it interesting, right? That if it's about the championship, Kamzat Shimaev, he can make the weight. He has made the weight before. Right. But Cody's writing in the chat, Miss Wade basically told everyone to fuck off, ruined a pay per view headliner. Like, <laughs> Cody's very upset. <laughs> Yes, so, Angry Cody's my favorite. So Dana White has said that Hamza Chimaev is moving to 185 pounds. So I don't think he's necessarily a part of that discussion. But both Hamza Chimaev and Bilal Muhammad have come out and said that they've been offered the Colby Covington fight. And at least in Hamza's case, he said that four times Colby turned that fight down. So it seems like promotionally they tried to make what is a dream matchup for everybody, Hamza uh, versus Colby for a long time. Um, but as we do spin it forward for Leon Edwards... Dana White has essentially guaranteed that Colby Covington is going to be next. He was the fighter who did make the effort to go way in as the backup. I know Bilal Muhammad was more than willing and able to do that, but Colby was the guy whose number was called to make the weight as a backup. He made the weight. He looked fantastic. And um, whether it's because he moves the needle or what other, whatever the reason is, Dana seems to uh, want to make that fight. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit surprising when I, when I saw that, um, but at the same time, uh, I think Colby is a guy that moves the needle, right? I mean, this is a business, and it's it's a fight game, but it's a business. Uh, and Colby is a guy that has been in a lot of big fights. He's a guy that you can always rely on to move forward, be aggressive, and bring the fight to that guy across from him. Uh, and for that, it does make sense. Uh, a little a bit of a head-scratcher for me, because, but there's so many guys out there that have a ton of momentum that they certainly have their arguments, right? You have Bilal, you have Shavkat, you know, of course, Hobbs out now at 185. But, you know, um, I think that, um, you know, Colby is a guy that people want to see either win or lose. And uh, he's going to make a fight and he's going to know how to promote that fight. And if you're going against someone like Leon, who lets his fighting do the talking, he's very quiet. You need someone like a Colby Covington to help push that fight, in my opinion. So there are a lot of champions who want to lead the conversation and call out their next challenger. We've seen Israel Adesanya do it essentially every step of the way. And for Izzy, as you well know, every single time he has called out essentially the, the number one contender or the scariest guy, right? He's calling for Yoel Romero. He's calling for Cannoneer when he's clearly the number one contender. There are myriad other examples of Adesanya always calling Paolo Costa, right? right. When he looked like the fucking boogeyman, you know? So Leon Edwards does not seem to want to give this fight to Colby Covington because of the inactivity. And, uh, you know, Bilal Muhammad, six wins since the start of 2020, just two for Colby. Um, you know, going back to the start of 2019, four years, 10 fights for Bilal Muhammad, just five for Colby Covington. Obviously, Colby Covington got two opportunities against Kamar Usman. And now that Leon Edwards is the champion, seemingly he's going to get a third opportunity. It's a really difficult thing for Bilal to digest with his eight fight winning streak with his history against Leon Edwards. And uh, it kind of is what it is. You know, there are a lot of different factors when it comes to who gets a title fight. Um, but what are your thoughts? And I know it's a hard question. Uh, it's certainly difficult uh 
desert land for me uh, as a UFC commentator. Um, but what are your thoughts on the fact that Leon Edwards doesn't seem to want to give Colby this opportunity right now? Yeah, I think that uh, he probably feels that uh, Colby doesn't deserve it. I think in his head, he probably wanted somebody else. Um, you know, uh, Co- Colby's a big name in the sport. Um, I-, I think that uh, the other thing you could argue for Colby's sake is, um, you know, Bilal on a tremendous win streak. That absolutely matters. And it's extremely difficult to do that in the UFC. That's insane. However, uh, if we were to compare, you know, I guess the level of competition you could certainly argue that the Colby's level of competition is is higher than Bilal's, right? I mean, it, it, let's look at let's look at competition, and um, you know, prior to him getting uh, what is it, the eye poke against Leon Edwards, yeah, uh, I, I love Bilal, and I think it would be a very different fight, but things weren't exactly going well for yeah. Bilal up until that point, right? Yeah. I mean, it was one of the more devastating eye pokes that I have seen, and I sort of hate that a shortened main event that he took on three weeks' notice replacing Hamzat Shimaev would be used against him, right? It's the only time Bilal hasn't lost in four years. It was a no contest, and he took the fight on three weeks' notice for five rounds in a main event, filling in for Hamzat. Yeah, I mean, I do think that history is used against him, which I think is unfortunate, but I don't necessarily think it's fair the way his wins are denigrated. He has beat Damian Maia. He beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He beat the undefeated Sean Brady. Even Curtis Millinder back in the day was somebody that people thought highly of. He beat Vicente Luque when Luque was in the top five before other people beat Vicente Luque. Uh, you know, I just think maybe people don't necessarily like his style or his verbal or whatever the fuck. But, you know, as I sort of said on the post show, I don't state his case or his candidacy because he has a podcast on our old channel, right? Or with my twin brother, right? Like I, I think in a true meritocracy, right? If this was a tournament, um, this is a no contest in terms of who's the number one contender. Yeah. Again. Um, but th- the thing is this sport has been built on, uh, anything but that, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's, it's not, that's not, that's not been the case, unfortunately, for better or worse. It's it, so much of it has to do with name recognition, who the fans want, who yep. talk more trash. Um, and uh, that's just the unfortunate reality. But yeah, you look at the numbers, what he's done. Bilal has done everything, everything possible to be in that spot right now. And does he deserve it? Absolutely. Um, but that is always open to, inter- open to interpretation when you have an organization that is looking at other factors besides numbers. Yeah. Now, let me say this as well. Colby Covington is must-see television. Now, I can't speak to his inactivity or fights that he has been offered or turned down or opportunities on The Ultimate Fighter. That is out of my lane. But... Yes, seeing him fight Leon Edwards gets me very excited uh, promotionally as a commentator. And I do believe that he does have some merit, you know, as far as his strength of schedule. The fact that Kamar Usman is the only guy to beat him, the nature of some of his wins, does have the win over Masvidal, even though it was a long time ago. And that's a relevant win. Uh, We'll see what happens. Colby Covington right now, minus 135, the betting favorite against uh, Leon Edwards. Any early lean for you as to that matchup? I mean, it's a fascinating, fascinating championship fight. Uh, Colby and Edwards. Um, I'll say this. I think that Usman does everything better than Colby. Uh, I think that um, he's a better wrestler. He's a bigger guy. I think he strikes better. 
I don't know if his conditioning is necessarily better. The, the, that would be an edge and something that Colby could weaponize against someone like Edwards, perhaps. Uh, but I think beating Usman uh, in the manner that he did, in the efficient manner that he did, I think sets him up perfectly to face someone like Colby Covington. But one thing is for sure, Edwards better be ready for 25 minutes of hell. Uh, does it mean you know he's not going to be more technical? That's fine. But, uh, you know, just like a Marab Dualishvili, uh, Colby Covington has that capability as well. No doubt about it. Probably the only guy who you can even mention in that Marab Dualishvili conversation. Another guy who's got outstanding cardio, and if I know him, probably got 90 minutes in, either strength training or uh, Stairmaster this morning. Uh, Joining us for the first time in a long time. Friend of the show, if I can call him that. Hey, UFC Hall of Famer, former UFC Light Heavyweight Champion. Great to see you guys. How are you, brother? Uh, I have not worked out today, so I feel I feel horrible now. Um, <clears throat> I'm coming off a pretty bad knee injury, so I've just let myself go. Thanks for bringing it up and starting this conversation off in a really positive note. You know, I hey, I mean, I didn't wear my yellow watch that you denigrated on our Toyo Tires commercial shoot, and I've already offended you one. I didn't even ask you a question. I've already offended you. Uh, so. It's great to see you, brother, and we appreciate the time. And, of course, you're early, and I know it's a busy Monday for you, and uh, it's amazing how your work ethic just seemingly has extended to this next professional career. But drill weekend at the Savannah National Guard Base earlier this month. See, I do my fucking homework for us. That's where we're starting today. You're the man. You do You do. So much homework. You do DC homework too, according to the campfire <laughs> <laughs> chat. No, that's not true. Uh, that's but true. hey, I I uh, I did see your Twitter feed and I saw some of the videos from what your experience. So yeah. uh, tell us about that, if you would be so kind. Well, first off, the Air National Guard. Um, I don't know what their deal is. Maybe they're not that bright because they let me drive Humvees, <laughs> shoot machine guns. They put me in live, like in a plane that was actually on fire. And uh, they really, they really depended on me a lot for my own safety, which surprised me. Uh, and I, I actually did burn my ear a bit. Like, Damn! Yeah, you really got to put those things on right. <laughs> wow! Or maybe my ear just stuck out too far. Well, they know you're, sur- you, they know you're a survivor. Like you can yeah. throw Forrest yeah, yeah. into anything, and he's going to be fine. Shooting <laughs> guns and throwing flashbangs and just super cool stuff. Uh, they did not let me drive the Humvee onto the airplane that's where they drew the like mountains right. and then we're, we're putting like these things we're up on the wing of the plane which is pretty cool we're, you know some 30 30 i'm walking on a 30 million dollar plane which is weird and you're putting like you know the life and the safety equipment on there and i'm like hey guys you're gonna do this again after like for real though right like this <laughs> is the final go right? like these this this jet's gonna go into into combat like the, the, right, right. the life raft's not gonna work because forrest griffin put it in right? <laughs> i was a little afraid uh, yeah there was a lot of uh I, there was something to referenced about just the capability the shooting capability in terms of sheer volume and the next thing you see is forest just strapped and booted and ready to go with seemingly a lot of uh a lot of ammunition on your oh, back that was the uh that was the guys that call in the airstrikes which is you know crazy nobody brings fire to so yeah i mean think about it. what they do is they get real close to the enemy or really close to the enemy if you're into grandma and um they basically call airstrikes in like you know yeah and, and so they wow. they give you know they're, they're pretty good with coordinates and maps and such because they get you like pretty close to that 
but not blow themselves up. So like literally all the movies where you see when they call in the airstrike and you're too close, you can't call it in there. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys have seen all these movies, right? Like it's not just me. No, it's I not. Mean, and I, uh, we're on top of us. So that's, that's what they do. I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I do like grammar by the way. So before we get into, uh, some of this UFC yeah, 286 stuff and anything else you have going on, uh, I'm just curious what your experience is like for a UFC pay-per-view like this past Saturday night. Are you watching the Leon Edwards, Kamar Usman fight live and, uh, and where are you? Well, you know, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was listening to you guys talk as you do about fighting, which is, pretty fun actually because you guys kind of know what you're talking about which is nice um but how good did did uh leon edwards wrestling look his ability to exit off the cage to extricate himself to to shut um Usman's wrestling down was to me amazing and then the way he just would not get greedy but in the clinch would bam land tie plumb land one good knee and then exit you know, he knew just enough to hit you and then move so it doesn't become a wrestling scramble, right? Other than the one time he shot, it was just really amazing wrestling, you know? And, you know, he isn't he one of two guys ever to take uh, Usman down? Took him down in the first round and mounted him? Yeah. Took his back? Like, you know, and I'm sure that was like Usman overlooking that aspect of the game a bit. But, but you know, and again, I think it's a lot to do with sea level and time zone. Now, if you're talking about Colby Covington travel, I believe Colby Covington's cardio will travel, unlike Kane's to Mexico City. I believe his his cardio can travel. Right. You like that pullback? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going, going uh, deep cuts here, but uh, um, yeah, his his cardio will, will travel. But I don't know that if he can effectively implement that grind game plan on a guy as smooth as Leon Edwards that that has the counter wrestling ability. It it was super impressive, man. You know, we were talking last show, Forrest. Um, I, of course, didn't have the uh, opportunity of being a champion in the UFC, but I always felt like if I got that belt, like there is something that transfers over or some kind of like, not that you're done, but there is this uh, confidence that is injected, right? That the work you've been putting in, kind of is is uh, reassuring you did you feel that when you became a champion of the ufc did you feel that level of of confidence transfer as a champion like all right now i'm like uh, i'm more comfortable or i feel like my skills are kind of in my body i believe what i'm doing a little bit more no sorry it's a great question it is a great it's gonna be different most people probably i definitely see what you're saying Um, no not not personally me i just felt like all right you know, and this is another thing. I, I don't love champions calling their fights. You're the champion. You have to fight anybody. That's the deal. You know, that's that's what champions do. They fight anybody. You don't get to like, hey, you know, can I fight the guy that just lost? Can I? No, no. The fans decide. It's one of the tenets of the UFC. And and I don't like the way champions kind of get to call their own shots now. Because I would have called my shots too if I didn't know right. that was an option. Sure. <laughs> that is Thing. And we were talking about Israel Adesanya calling his shot, but always calling for seemingly the most dangerous guy and the number one contender. Uh, I still do kind of want to know about your viewing experience. Like, are you watching this by yourself? Do you mute the commentators? Like, what's your average pay-per-view? Yeah, like? so I, I do. So I wish there was a there. – there is a track. We watched We watched it before the slap, the Marab fight and, and Yan fight, and it was no commentators, but you could still hear the octagon noise. 
right. wow. that was ideal. I, I, I'm just saying fight pass. If you want yeah. to make that an option, you have my blessing. Um, but I usually watch it with like the volume kind of muted. Cause I do like to hear like the, the slams on the ground and stuff or the crowd cheer, you know, I was like, um, but I watched this one, um, this last fight on Twitch with, uh, so you watch them live. Oh, that's right. You watch the fights. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing in the world, that's but right. it's really fun. And people, people actually know a lot about fighting and then people just kind of throw you crazy stuff too. But yeah, with, uh, yeah Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So we watched the fight and we t- talked about it and broke it down. Obviously, he's a 170 pounder, so he has some interest in who wins you know, between Usman and uh, the champion Leon Edwards. But um, and a lot of times we'll do the watch parties, too. Yeah. So, so you're I, working. I like, it's I always like, grinding. Saying is I like an excuse to watch the fights. Otherwise, like, I watch a lot of them Sunday morning, first thing, before my family gets up. And I just, like, I'm just good enough, like, just don't look at your phone. Right. Just don't do it. Just open the fights up. Don't look at your phone. Don't go on social media, you know. And, and you're watching that on the, yeah, on the UFC app. app? Are you watching that on the UFC app when you're doing that? Or how are you watching that? Well, I mean, I have the the jailbroken fight pass. So, All right. Yes, <laughs> right. No, perfect. Yes. Because no, if you go to ESPN Plus, you can't really, you can see the length of the fight unless you navigate oh, properly. So oh, there's yeah. some spoiler within and you can know that a main event ends in a finish. So that's why I ask. I apologize. Uh, and real quick. I that, I'm not even, yeah, I didn't even know that. But that natural sound feed is the one you're talking about. You know, you mute guys like me that never fought, right? And when we do our it's Anakin, not, no, I'm not, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm you, fucking around. My favorite thing is, though, my favorite thing, and this is what I use for work, is the walkout. So, and and I hate that they don't have the walkout when you just oh. go to a fight. So, let's say uh, an athlete comes to the UFC PI. I want to do a little background on them. But I don't actually want to do it. I want John Anik to do it for me. There you go. And I want to know what it is. So what I do is I go to the last event they fought in, and I listen to you guys tell me about what camp they're doing, where they've been, right. their background. This guy was a karate. Okay. And then I just listen to that before each athlete comes in. And that go. is that is literally all the homework I do. Just so you know, in the future, if you are ever in that situation, you can text me, right? And behind me right here, I have a fighter card library of over 5,000 athletes. I can take a screenshot of the fighter and it'll tell you everything from their children, when they were born, anything you need to know. I might pick you up on that, actually. You absolutely could. And I will say, I've said this so many times, if I could change anything about mixed martial arts television, it would be that we would televise every walkout. You know? Yeah, yeah, because you never know the one that's going to be awesome, you know. And we have twenty five commercial breaks anyway, you know. So I wish there was a way yeah. somehow. Uh, well, then, no, that's really the problem is that there are so many commercial breaks that we got to get them there. Um, and I've told you this before, Kenny. I until just recently, uh, well, not I still do sometimes. Um, I fast forward the walkout. I fast forward literally until <clears throat> like you end up about three seconds into the first round. Go, hey. Follow up on that um, because I, sometimes you have to be careful not to fast forward too much because somebody will run out with the flying knee or the flying jump kick. Here's what I'm trying to tell guys. Nobody does that in the second or third round. In the third round, run out with the flying jump kick or knee. Run out with that crazy explosive technique in the third round. 
That's actually fucking brilliant. And he, he I don't even. Is, right. Because you're going to be like, what the, what is going on? Well, you didn't, like, you kind of. He's on to something. You're, you're no, on absolutely. Here. What's coming? The problem is most dudes are absolutely exhausted right. by that. Right. <laughs> Just, right. They do that hug. They hug. All, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. They'd oh. rather do the pre-third final round hug and kill 10 seconds a oh, clock, God. you know? Just, yeah, it's true, God. though. Like, especially for guys who are down two rounds, you don't really see it. Like, you don't see guys that, like, go for it in the round three. Go dude, go for yeah. that flying knee. That's when you do it. You you had the minute break. You got 15 seconds of juice in you. Go yeah. for it, throw it, miss it, and then run back to the center or run out of the way. Right. And then, yeah. you know, I'm just saying, these are gems. I'm trying to trying they, to get no, you're, I always wanted to do it and then i forgot, I forgot. <laughs> right. literally right. just like i was like on this round you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna run up because I, I was never a glove <laughs> toucher anyway i don't like touching gloves yeah so like uh, if a guy like lifts his hand and goes i'm like no, uh, you know, yeah that's we just did we literally no, just we, right. we don't need to do this again like let's just fight we got 15 minutes let's get the most out of it yeah, you don't strike me as a uh, a glove toucher. That is UFC Hall of Famer Forrest Griffin with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So you mentioned Marab Dwalishwili, and obviously we we talked about your cardiovascular base, and and you've worked so hard on that over the years, even when not fighting. So I just sort of wanted to gauge your level of appreciation for Marab and what he brings to the table in terms of weaponizing not just pace, but the pressure because Kenny Florian, Ray Longo, all these other guys, none of them have a point of comparison. They say he's one of one. There's nobody like him. Where do you stand on uh, the oncoming Georgian uh, Marab Dwalish Willie? Well, you know, Peter Yan has great cardio. Peter Yan to me is a guy that kind of in that classic Muay Thai style will almost lose the first round and make reads or, you know, what have you, and then and then come out and finish strong. You know, he he's a guy with a lot of later fight KOs, if my memory serves correctly, right? Yes. But, um, he plays with his food a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not, you know, he, he, again, he's, he's a technical guy. But, but you know, that was his, – his cardio was amazing. You know, next level cardio, I guess, is his conditioning, his ability to push the pace and – you know, retain some power, retain some slams, you know, look, he could still round out his technical game a little more, you know, somebody will figure out how to stop that one weapon. Right. Right. Uh, you know, no, and that we talk, also yeah. only works if you have a good chin. We did talk about that. I was taking notes while watching that fight. And uh, I just sort of I said, somebody's going to make him pay for some of this. Some, at some point, somebody's going to make him pay as much Runs as we love. In, him. Like at first, which you yeah. have to do. <laughs> right, right. Which you can a lot of times, if you've exhausted your opponent, you can get away with that. But somebody's going to find it and boom. And, you know, Usman, Leon Edwards to him with that, you know, yeah. where he's a little too comfortable. Anyway, um, how about that co-main event, though? Aziz and uh, Gaethje, that was one that I really, I think that was one of my favorites. Unbelievable. Gaethje wants to be more technical. <clears throat> I had a breakdown of this fight. He wants to be more technical, right? He said after the fight, I didn't want to do that. I, In this instance, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with people that are way smarter than me and know Trevor Whitman, people that know a lot more about fighting than I do, and say the way to beat a better technical striker like Faziz is to make it a dog fight, is to make it a typical Justin Gaethje fight. And I thought he should have done that immediately in the second and third right. round. First round, I don't know. Guy's too yeah. fresh. We, we don't need this dog fight. 
but I think he lost he lost that first round. And then when he made it the dogfight, that's when it kind of like the crispness and the beauty of Fiziz faded and his legs started getting clipped up. And, you know, so just just kind of a, a counterpoint. Right. And, um, you know, maybe maybe there's nothing there, but that's the thought, you know, as yeah. Gacy gets older and and evolves his technical game because he has great coaching. He still needs to make sure if he needs, he can let the dog out. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. This, is, this is a guy he's super technical and he can let the dog out against most people. But Fiziz with 200 Muay Thai fights is, a, is just a damn technician. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's all well put by holding up through 200 Muay Thai fights. And, you know, like, whoa. I know. Dude. Dude, I love when you go full throttle mixed martial arts analyst, you know, because you're so reticent and resistant to ever doing television work with me. You know, you give me the fucking Heisman every time we talk about it. I know you're on a bigger and better things. You're like on an executive trajectory or whatever. But I do like when you get analytical. Well, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm bringing to the PI is a knowledge of how to train for the sport of mixed martial arts, right? So I, I don't train at all anymore. Unfortunately, I, my knees bummed, my shoulders bummed, yeah, wine, wine, but I still watch a lot of training. You know, I want to know what people are doing. How are people learning? How much time are people now devoting to skill acquisition and drilling as opposed to, you know, with old Kenny Florian, he just wanted to fight. You know, he comes to the gym and he's just like, ah, oh, it's one of those days. Kenny's not going to want to drill at all. He's just going to go straight to slap hands and let's wrestle live. You know, that's that's Kenny fucking Florian right there. Uh, savage like that. But but no, you know, I, and I'm interested to see like people at different ages doing different amounts of drilling, the, the technical work. So that that's what I want to know. And then ultimately did that training work in the fight right so that dynamic correspondence if you will or transfer training did the shit we do in practice actually work in the octagon on fight night and do the strength and conditioning nutrition etc services work like when you show up when it matters and that's the really hard thing about Dude, that's the hardest part yeah you, you only get to do it like three times a year or the average I think is less than that. The average fight is like 2.3 times per year, yeah. which yeah, is, yeah. is crazy, right? Um, I would prefer to fight every other week, you know, which seems crazy, but I like just to get the reps and, you know, anyway. And that's something you can do in amateur where there's some more rules so you don't get hurt as much and the rounds are three minutes. So that's why you're seeing more people do the amateur careers or, or participate more in amateur levels, especially internationally, not so much in the States. Thought I'd just throw that tangent out there as another. Yeah, no, I love it. Hey, yeah. real, real quick. Uh, in terms of the scoring, when you're doing this whole Twitch situation, because again, a lot of the fan base, right? The, the co-main event and the main event were both close fights, at least in my humble opinion, right? When you're doing your whole thing, I mean, are you watching that fight thinking that it's a foregone conclusion that Leon or Justin has won? And how much are you really able to score this given all that's on your plate uh, on, on an average fight night? So I, I did some certification work or some stuff that's going to be on the UFCI website shortly. Um, where I, I go through the basically the not only the rules but then the scoring criteria uh, in depth. So I feel like I'm I'm watching fights at a different level now. And um, you know, it's just sometimes it's it's what is effective grappling. You know, when Holly Holm held Caitlin Vieira against the fence for however long, 
the judges deem that to be effective grappling. I did not, but they did, you know. And uh, so as I kind of see the the fights and the decisions, and then if you really want to get specific, you can start looking at the way judges, because hopefully judges have some inter-rater reliability, as in they judge the same way. Even if it's wrong, is it consistent over time? Right. Um, you know, so then you, you, you can get into a lot. But uh, as far as the main event, I thought that the the winner won. Yep. Um, obviously, there was the point, which made it a little bit closer. But no, the winner, the guy who won the fight, won the fight. Um, second fight, you know, the second round, the co-main event, the second round was very close. Third round, Gaethje, obviously. First round, Faziz, obviously. And then there's, you know, then there's the middle round, which which was close. So I wasn't, to me, it wasn't, a, the, the outcome wasn't a foregone conclusion. But if I had to agree, that's what I would agree with. Uh, one I, thing you know, again, I've only watched that fight one time. I need to watch the second round again to really tell you more. One thing I thought was interesting, just because of the world in which you live, Justin Gaethje told me it was the first time in the UFC that he really had to cut weight. He told me that on Thursday at the press conference. You know, clearly this was the training camp of his life in many respects, added some muscle mass, and uh, he, yeah. he knew the challenge in front of him, you know. But, but you know, and again, he set himself up for that, which is so important. He knew going into that that – I am going to cut some. I am going to be a bigger guy. I am going to, you know, to, to whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what you could do as long as you know what you're doing and there's a plan. Sometimes even a bad plan is better than no plan. Yeah, I like that. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, we'll let you get back to your week. So uh, if you need any notes on any fighters, you know where to come well, in the future. What does what the rest of your day hold, if I'm allowed to ask you what, what you yeah, have the rest of the day? It's uh, just after 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm I'm a pretty good calendar guy. So I've got everything right here on my calendar. Uh, we just actually had a combine over in China. So the fourth Academy combine, unfortunately, yeah. I wasn't able to get over there, but we have a new class of athletes. So I'm going reviewing them. Uh, you know, our, our team over there, Dean Ammons singer, uh, you know, uh, well, a lot of guys over there do a lot. And then, yeah. you know, just reviewing their plans for the athletes. And then you've got the road to the, uh, UFC, yep. RT UFC, which is coming out. I don't know if it's public knowledge, but it's May 27th. Look at this and guy breaking news now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't huh. know. I never know if stuff's out there or not. Because again, I don't do a lot of this stuff. But it's um, fine. yeah, you know, making sure that that those athletes are ready, prepared, and just looking into the matchups a little bit. Um, again, that was an event last year. I got to help a whole lot with when it was in Singapore, and then by the time it was in Abu Dhabi and Vegas, they had it figured out. But that was super cool for me to get to be like boots on the ground and help with an event. So. Just, just kind of like reviewing all the great things that they came up with or we came up with as we went through it. I love um, it. Yeah. I love it. I was actually going to ask you about that. I don't know if I, I went back and forth with Dean for a while. We might have even had him here on the Anakin Florian podcast to talk about all that. But yeah. it, is, it is exciting for any of us who grew up NFL fans, especially to see anything labeled a combine and to see guys with numbers on the front of their jersey. You know, I'm rooting for number fucking 28. If you're wondering, I don't know his name. I'm rooting for twenty. Yiza, that would be Yiza. All right, there you go. See Yiza, who who lost a very close decision in the fi uh, finals of the RTOC. Um, Tell me, I'm going to actually spend the rest of my day just staring at ah. the Kenny Florian picture <laughs> out behind him here. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There it is. There's my Gosh, Taylor Cancer. I think I'm the only guy smiling out of everybody. <laughs> just so like good. have that cheesy so smile. Good. Yeah. 
So yeah. you are the only guy smiling. Everybody oh. else, everybody else is either <laughs> ate something disgusting or just smelled something very gross. And God, me, I am, I am giving my best model face. Actually, I saw that. Yeah, it was not, it was very good. Yeah, it, was very uh, good. it must have just seen Zoolander before that. I don't huh. know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, we uh, we really appreciate your time, man. So uh, thank you for doing this. And uh, hey, anytime you need any notes or anytime you want to come back on, it's an open invitation. Uh, might even have to pay you to give you your own segment or something in the future. Hey, you don't drink wine anymore. Is that right? You don't drink wine anymore? I try not to, no. Okay. I, here's the funny <laughs> thing. Over three years ago, I ordered $3,500 worth of wine, and that is being delivered now. After oh, there, I, there you go. $3,000 worth of wine that I you don't drink. You got some wine to drink, dude. You're back in. You're back in the game. <laughs> yeah, I think I gotta. I can. I can go back to the bottle a day. No problem. No problem. I, I only bring it up because I went to a winery for the first time, actually, at 44 years of age in Western Australia last month. And oh yes, it was an unbelievable yes. experience. Oh so. god, yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Huh? Over there, right? Yeah. Uh, so, it was a lot, all sorts of stuff. It was Bisping and, and Bruce Buffer, very inebriated, is what it was. So, hey, thank you, buddy. We love you. Appreciate it. There he is, former UFC light heavyweight champion, UFC Hall of Famer, Forrest Griffin with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Yeah, doesn't want to do TV, but I do like, I got to love when he just segues the conversation right to Justin Gaethje and, uh, and Rafa. Yeah. Uh, all right. We go from a Hall of Famer to the star of the Anakin Florian podcast. Uh, let us get to the Ray Longo minute. And there is Ray. Ready hey, to hey, go. hey, hey. Wow. Hey, buddy. You, got, you knocked it out of the park again this weekend, John. Thank you, buddy. You know, I will I've been, say. And I've been noticing a lot of acting gigs for you. Commercials, DraftKings. What, what is going right on? So. Do you even think about the commentating anymore? Or it's just about oh, you know, my boss listens. We don't need to do that. No, my daughter <laughs> was like, Daddy, are you getting more famous? You know, and no, it's been uh it's been a little bit overwhelming, I guess, over the last year. There have been a lot of sort of different responsibilities, but no, it always elevates me and, and levitates my mood when you 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 write something on Instagram or say something positive because as much as our relationship on here is very much, you know, Boston going at New York and vice yeah, versa, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. your support does mean a lot. So well, thank no, you, man. No, it's, no. Uh, well, you know. no, I love what you're doing. And I tell you, for the first time the other night at like one in the morning, I actually listened to the podcast. I thought everybody huh. did a great <laughs> No, I'm not I'm not even joking. It's a good show. It's a good show. A pretty good show, objective. Oh no, it was all. It was actually awesome. Petrie and uh, Kenny with the picks. I think it was the. You know, they went back and forth on a couple. That that was. It was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kenny, I think you, you. I think you nailed it last week with um, Gaethje taking him into deep waters. I actually thought uh, Raphael was going to win that fight based on you know technical youth and. Yeah. But man, that that Gaethje is unfucking real. Like Gaethje got a Gaethje. He almost Gaethje's looks like he got, got a Gaethje. And, you know, and I with these guys because I've dealt with it. You never know if they're dealing with injuries, what's going on. They're getting older. They've right. been in a lot of wars. This guy looked better. He looked. He, did. Yeah. he yeah. really did. I tell you, I the, the he just he is the Dan Henderson of the fucking fifty fivers with a couple of more tools, but he could I, always get you out of there, hurt you with that right hand. It's crazy. I, I, I want to get into the fight, job, but one yeah. thing that just kept going on in my head, and, and Ray, you can chime in on this as well, but if you take like, I don't know, think about the LeBron Jameses or some of the best people in their sport, who would you rather watch? Who would you pay a ticket to watch? Would you pay to see a front court seat, you know, like 
courtside seats to watch LeBron James or to watch Justin Gaethje do his thing. <laughs> like as far as like how much that dude is worth to me, if I, I if I if he is you. one of my fighters, that dude is worth millions of dollars in my head. Like there's no one else who you can rely on to deliver that level of action and who's willing to put his body on uh. the line to win and entertain fans. The dude is an absolute gem. I'm blown away by that. Yeah, and, and more importantly, and I say this with every aspect, coaching, managing, fight, consistency. He's, he's, yeah. he's crazy. It, I didn't think he could hold up. I really didn't. I just thought he's getting older. He had his nose fixed. Uh, you know, he's making money. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I, it was crazy. He's that was crazy. And I, I tell you, like, again, he's. Man, he could. Uh, man, he is thrown with uh, thrown with bad intentions, like Mike Tyson. Yeah. That that's him. He's thrown with yeah. bad intentions, man. And man, and and Rafael. I mean, it was a great fight. It really was. But that third round was just phenomenal. The way he started using the jab, and then he found that uppercut. He wasn't letting that go. And, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. It just, uh, yeah, crazy. I might get the word Gaethje tattooed somewhere on my oh, body. Oh no! Oh no! I might. I might. He's a twin, right? There's always an extra tie into these Just tattoos. Just no low back, dude. Okay, please. No I might back. go game bread on one side of the net, Gaethje on the other side when I retire. <laughs> there you go. I might. I actually might. This isn't funny, Kenny. I did see your tweets, Kenny, about Justin Gaethje, and yeah. you're right as always. Kemflo coming at the commentators a little bit over the weekend as well, which is always. We like no, that. No, 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 I'm no, no, dude. You know I'm fucking no. around, I, dude. I hold yeah. you in the highest regard. I love you, um, but no, <laughs> I do think at times, even when I was scoring it, not just commentating, I was giving Usman maybe a skosh too much credit for forward motion uh, and the uh, the desire to get takedowns, even if it wasn't overall effective uh, grappling. And I just lost my my train. Oh yeah, in terms of your tweet about Justin Gaethje, I wouldn't mm. be surprised if he's one of these guys who who is a non champion who gets a million bucks to show. By the way. I he, think he's he, got to be one of the highest paid guys. So, hundred percent deserves. He probably it. deserves five million to show. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent deserves it. He never disappoints. And again, I thought he'd have a rougher time with that. But you know, this doesn't look like Fazeev's the the uh, the distance was off. Right, he was uh, the range was just a little off. He was throwing fast. You could see had a speed advantage. He made a miss, but you know the problem. You know, Fazeev is a great fighter. I think the problem moving forward with with Fazeev is that. He doesn't look like he's going to be a five-round fighter. You know, he starts to fade in that third round Good a couple point. of times, and now he's got to go four and five against a guy that could throw like that. That's going to be different. And, uh, you know, I think you said he's going to drag him into deep waters and just drown him. And not that he drowned him, but he definitely let him know you're in the big leagues now and there's a difference between me and a couple of the other guys. So phenomenal yeah. job on that. And, you know, and Petrie really isn't off on a lot of, you know, he's he's good. You know, even with the Usman fight, I, you know, I get it. If you're an Usman guy, you want it. But I thought Edwards did a great job, too. And, you know, for me, yeah. I think me and you picked Edwards, Kenny. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just thought I know the altitude is no joke. The guy had a good first round. Then he starts fading. You know, then he's got to get motivated, you know, at the, at the fifth round to come up, come on. But, you know, I just, you know, I had talked with his uh, the coaches afterwards and even him. He's. He's such a good guy, man. He, you know, he's a hard guy to get a read on. Like, you look at him, he looks yeah. like he's bored. It's like going yeah. into the yeah. third round. I don't know. And that's the way he is. He's just a chill guy, even in person. He's just a great, yeah. Yeah. great guy. And But no emotion, no emotion yeah. at all with him. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought he did a very, very good job. And I like the corner. They didn't wait to the fifth round. They started jumping on him in the second round. They weren't going to wait. They had to jump. You know, they get up his ass. 
early, and I think uh, I think I he responded. I thought it was a was a good fight, and I thought you know Usman was a class act after the fight. Love seeing that, and you know it's just hard to come back. And like again, you don't know the injuries. He started beating up those legs. Uh, I think it did take something out of him, maybe with a little of the explosion going in. But uh, great fights. I, I enjoyed the shit out of that whole. The main card was great. Yep. I guess I will get your thoughts now on Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, and then I want to just circle to Kenny and you on Gaethje if I could. So what are your thoughts on Colby Covington essentially being guaranteed the title fight despite some of the inactivity of late? And ultimately, how do you handicap uh, what seemingly is going to be the next welterweight title defense for Leon Edwards, whether he likes it or not? Yeah, right. Well, that's the first thing I don't like. He has no say in anything. <laughs> uh, so Forrest Griffin just came on and said he doesn't like a champion calling his shot. But we have seen a lot of UFC champions of late get the opportunity to call their shot. Adesanya chief among them. Right. Uh, look, the only thing I could say, not an easy fight, obviously, but the fact that he had the last two fights with, with Usman is great, great learning for what's going to happen in the Covington fight. I just, you know. We got to see where Kobe is now, too. But he, he looks like the pressure. Uh, you know, look, if he could stop those takedowns like he did with Usman, he wins that fight. You know, he will piece him up standing up. I, I'd like to see a little more volume out of Leon, but he is. He landed some big shots. He just yeah seems like even when he lands, he wants to go right to the clinch. You know what I mean? Instead of, you know, backing out and coming in again, like in and That's out. That's really interesting. It's yeah. really interesting you say that, Kenny. It's he's landing essentially 70% of his strikes, but I think Leon is making the fight a little bit closer than it needs to be. And I do think that yes. if there was a little bit more volume, right, then he wouldn't necessarily, right? Because I'm sitting there in round four and I don't know, these, these rounds were close, man. No, they, you know, were close. Close. no, they were close, but I think you had to give them to Edwards. They were close. I was just, what my concern was after like the fence grab and the nut shot, I was like, oh, please don't make this a championship fight where the, the ref is going to have to keep interjecting and taking points. And uh, thank God it got back on track. But uh, I did think Leon looked, you know, <laughs> you know, when you, it's almost like when he, you know, he grabs the fence and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I, I, that's not, yeah, I don't think that's yeah. ever a good, so it was uh, almost reminded me of Johnny Cochran with the glove. What are you talking about? What the, you know, the things like hanging uh -huh. off his fingertips. He's like, like, like yeah. You know, and he's like looking at the guy like, what are you talking about? But you did grab the fence. <laughs> and yeah. I'm glad he regrouped. But um, I, I was just happy it didn't go in that direction where the fouls were going to make a difference in the fight. It almost it almost did. I think they had to take a point away. Uh, I think that was a, a great call. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to let these guys know that you just, you know, you got to abide by the rules. So sometimes yep. it's, it's like a tough love thing. And even though it was a championship fight, you don't want to see it go that way. You got to do the right thing. So, Kenny, on the Gaethje front, he beats Rafael Fazee by majority decision. So so somebody had this, one of the three scorecards in the world that matter, had a 28-28. And I don't want to sort of bring the show down perpetually by talking about the scoring, right? We even talked to the great Sean Sheehan last week, and we didn't even talk about scoring, right? But... Damage reigned supreme in 2023, and I do think by the letter of the law, you can score this fight 28-28. But, dude, Gaethje, I couldn't even tell if the press conference was before or after the fight when I'm looking at him, and Fazeev's unrecognizable. So 
we got issues, man. And I did ride back with Ben Cartledge, who I think is a fine judge and a really good human. And if he could make one change, it would be half points. He wasn't sure if we'll ever get here, get there in the lifetime. But I do think certainly that round three is a 10, eight and a half, but not a 10, eight. But dude, don't tell, like, I love Danny Rube texting me and, you know, but dude, like, you know where I'm going here, right? Like, don't tell me after those three rounds that, that Raphael Fazee, well, I mean, look at his face. No, am I? Yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, absolutely. Two things I think were a factor in that fight because of that. Um, I think, first of all, Gaethje's size, you know, I, I don't know what they were to what, what both of them were weighing in at um, uh, that night, but Gaethje certainly looked bigger at the weigh-ins, and he certainly looked bigger on fight night. Uh, two masses that are colliding; the heavier one is going to take greater effect. The second thing is, I think, um, you know, and, and it's great that he was doing that, but in the end, I think it hurt him. Fazeev was attacking the body way too much, and and Gaethje was hunting for that head. And again, you're clearly seeing that damage. Not only that, I think the punches that Fazeev was landing, and he was landing more. Gaethje was walking right through those. It didn't seem like it was getting him to pause at all when he was landing a leg kick, when he was landing a shot to the head, you saw it back up Fazeev. And I think that was the, that was a big tell. And of course you look at the face at the end, Fazeev looked like he went face first into a wood chipper, man. Gaethje was just throwing big shots. His jab, like Ray so intelligently mentioned, his jab was on point in round three. He kept running into that jab. Then he started setting up that second layer attack with the uppercut. Uh, and, and Gaethje just built up to this crescendo. That was just a thing of beauty. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you some physique. Look, first off, everything, it's like, bah, 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 bah. he can't manage that energy for no. his body. He didn't. I, I, look, it was. A, I'm going to say... One and two were definitely close. I, there, there's no question about it. I, you know, yeah. damage, whatever. Third round, just a walk, just runaway. Yeah. But uh, he didn't make the adjustments. You know, Gaethje had his hands down by his ass for most of the times. He, you can't tell <laughs> me he can't get a kick up to his head. The guy's super I talented. I don't think he fought a smart fight. I think Rafael Fazeev is going to grow from that fight. And he's going to learn how to manage his energy and pick his shots a little better. But it was always one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. But, you know, like, yeah, no, and, you're right. And fast. And like, you know, you could see there was a speed advantage. But like Kenny says, the guy was walking through it. And I think he he picked up on that rhythm and he was probably able to roll a couple of those. It doesn't take much to take a lot of steam off a punch. Just a little turn to the head. It's mm -hmm. a huge, huge difference. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I think it's a growing fight for Fazeev. He's young enough to make the adjustments, but he didn't make the adjustments in that fight. He took yeah, his yeah. foot off. He right. could, you know, the, the, like again, the jab was snapping his head back, and then he would bounce forward. He's got definitely got the balls. He's got the, you know, he's got the tenacity, but he didn't fight smart. He really didn't. I thought there were openings yeah. he could have exploited based on his style that he just did not do. And I don't know why. I think he, yeah. it was almost like he had the whole fight preset in his head. You know, one, two, three, Experience body kick, body kick. Well, you know, that that was it. It looked like, you know, he threw the body kick, tried to come back with that that hook. He, the range was off. He never made the adjustment to me. And uh, not not taking away a thing because I do think one and two were close. And that's where the I like the half points because, the, the, you know, the uh, the way the scoring is set up, you could, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying this, but somebody could have given the first two to uh, Fazeev and then Gaethje would, would, for having it, if you gave the first two 10-9 to Fazeev and a 10-9 on the third to Gaethje, that's a problem in the scoring because there was well, a right. huge so if difference. You 
Yeah, that's the problem. But if you did have, if I'm sitting there and I have the fight 20 to 18, right? At least I have the tool of a 10-8. I didn't think that that third round was a 10-8, but certainly if I was sitting there on a scorecard that was 20 to 18, I would have leveled that out and scored that fight a draw. I just don't understand in 2023, we have cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens and we can't give judges just one more tool right so that when they do have a fight like this kenny 1919 you give them the ability right yes. well i guess it doesn't matter but you give them the ability to do 10 eight and a half it's pretty fucking simple um, I, I agree with you john on that 100 percent. i think that takes away the problem of if somebody scored you know the first two rounds with physique because i think those were if you know, they were close either way, but, you know, I think they scored it. The, the right guy won the fight. Um, and again, hats off to him. But I think uh, if it had gone the other way, I think your point on the scoring is 100 percent dead on with that. So uh, Anderson Silva goes into the UFC Hall of Fame over the weekend. Ray, you were the guys who essentially took down his reign and uh I tweeted on Monday morning, greatest highlight reel of all time. I thought he had the best knockout in a title fight ever when he knocked out Vitor Belfort. Kenny and I were in the building. One of the most stunning things wow. ever. Uh, as revered by his peers, I think, as any fighter to come before or after him. And then I wrote, above all else, I don't know that any fighter inspired the next generation of fighter more than Anderson Silva. So nice to see him go into the UFC Hall of Fame. And I know he was obviously touched by that over the weekend. Oh, you got yeah. any thoughts on that, Ray? Oh, well, if anybody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, it's Anderson Silver. Again, highlight real from hell. Uh, and again, I, I like what you say. It's the guys that inspire the next generation. And that's huge. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm going to say that Gaethje's even, I don't want to circle back to Gaethje, but it, you got to get excited when you see a fight like that. And the same thing with Anderson Silver, the head movement, making guys miss, kicking them out of nowhere. Uh, making it look easy against high-ranked opponents, um, you know, pulling that pulling fights out in the last minute, you know, when you're down four and four and you know four rounds to nothing. Just some of his stuff was just, you know, stuff that legends are made of, and he is a legend, and oh, he deserves to be in that Hall of Fame. Ken Flo, this is your era. Obviously, I know that uh, Anderson Silva made his pro debut way before you did so he goes into the pioneer wing of the ufc hall of fame but uh any thoughts on the acknowledgement uh at ufc 286 for anderson listen it, it was a dunk shot that he was going to be in the hall of fame yeah. in some way shape or form um absolute legend i i don't know if there was another guy out there in championship fights who could bring in uh, magical techniques into the octagon like Anderson Silva did. And he was doing stuff that was way ahead of his time. He was a guy that I used to study a lot. Um, yes. And I, I was always in awe of him, uh, of when it mattered. Um, he was in uh, so many great moments, uh, a true champion, a great guy as well, uh, super humble, and, uh, and one of the most exciting fighters to watch ever. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll give you a funny story. I know I've told it before, but we're at the Hard Rock before they expanded it. Remember how small the joint was, Kenny, back in the day? Yeah. And I had yeah. Luke Como fighting uh, some Jonathan. Joe Steven was it Joe Stevenson? No, 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 no. it was Jonathan no. Goulet. Right? Okay. So yep. Como's the swing bout at that point. They used to do a lot of swing bouts back in the day yes. when they didn't know what the time was or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and... I don't. I forget that Anderson Silva. That's his. He's making his debut against Chris Lieben. And you know, Lieben. in the joint, John, you have a 
just picture the size of an octagon with a you know a curtain in between. So you're right next to your guy on the side of the curtain. I think we're the last fight. I hear it's it's out of the movie Bloodsport where you hear the you know Tong Po kick in the post. There is a guy <laughs> Smith, and I'm like, man, did I do something? Is that Jonathan Goulet? I can't even like I'm I'm actually starting to get nervous. And then I I peek over. I I have to take a look because I'm hearing like violence on the on the tie pads. And I peek over at Sanderson Silva. I go, thank God. You know, wow. I, mean? I had miscalculated. Like, I, I really thought we were the last fight, but we had to wait for Anderson Silva to go. That's and then hilarious. We, we, you know, isn't it crazy? I don't know if people understand swing bouts, but you could go at any yeah. time. Like they have your weight and it kind of sucks. But I was, what I heard on the other side of that curtain was craziness, man. Uh-huh. And I was like, please tell me, it can't be Jonathan Goulet. You know, I didn't even think he had uh-huh. anything yeah. near that. And, uh, Oh, it was a relief to see it was Anderson Silva. And then he went out and look what he did to Chris Lieben, who had a granite chin and, you know, just, yeah. he did, you know, killed him. Before Anderson Silva came over to the UFC, Jorge Rivera, and hopefully Jorge is cool with me telling this story, he fought him over in England in Cage Warriors. And and Jorge was a big 185-pounder, yes. man. He was like 215 pounds off season, like muscled up. And he said he went over to England. He had a the best camp he ever had was on point. And he goes, Kenny, he goes, I hit him, I hit him with the best right hand I've ever thrown in my life. He's like, better than I've ever hit on a pad, on a bag. He goes, I hit him with everything I had, landed it perfectly right on the jaw. And Anderson Silva just kind of, he smiled at me and nodded his head and moved forward and just destroyed me. <laughs> and he's like, I've never seen anything like it. He yeah. says, just, he goes, it, he just destroyed him with that smile. I mean, that, that's the kind yeah, of magic yeah. and aura that Anderson Silva had. Yeah, Just crazy. I mean, and then, uh, and shout out to Jorge Rivera, who was a great guy yeah. and, you know, yeah. an, an old time pioneer himself, which was, yeah. uh, it's great to hear his name mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're listening on 99.5, the jab, you can call <laughs> Ray 866-75-LONGO. What do you got going on locally this week in, uh, in Garden City, New York? Any uh, Anybody competing here this weekend, Ray? You know, we had a, uh, Steve Lee was supposed to fight. His fight got canceled. Uh, next week is Justin Montalvo and Bellator. Real tough fight against the guy, Archie Colgan. I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, both guys are undefeated. Archie already beat a guy in the gym, Dylan Montello. So it's uh, this is going to be uh, it's a big awesome. fight, really big fight. The kid looks good, and I'll be leaving for uh, Temecula, California. Oh we, wow, uh, that's yeah. a jaunt, huh? That's a jaunt. That's a jaunt. Yeah. What is yeah, that? It's pretty far. Did you say joint? jaunt? J a u n t, jaunt. Yeah, they use that word a lot internationally. Really? Hey, Steve Lee. I get it, Steve Lee. They don't fucking want none. I get it, son. I understand. I fucking of want Steve. Shook ones like Mob Deep, right? Fucking shook ones. Uh, all right, Ray. We'll let you get out on that. You know, I mean, the, the, the less time we keep you, the more money you make. Wow. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that guy. You never looked at it that way? No. You're not, not that guy. Not I know that you're not guy. that guy. I want to put more time in. I want to make less money because I love you guys. It has nothing to do with the money. Although all right. Then I how about, how, all right, fine. It. Then, then. No. <laughs> then how about Gunnar Nelson, now the most decorated submission artist in UFC welterweight history? Ken Flo, wow. dude, isn't that right? So the he made his UFC debut in Nottingham, England, submitted Demarcus Johnson, but that was at a catchweight of 175 pounds. So he was in this tie 
with Damian Maya and one wow. other fighter, maybe even Nate Diaz. I don't know. But now Gunnar Nelson has more submission wins than any UFC welterweight ever. And it seems fitting to me because he was put on a pedestal when he came into the UFC. And it's nice that he has this type of legacy. He's not going to be a world champion because he told us he prefers coaching to fighting right now at this stage of his life. But uh, Ray, anything on uh, on Gunny then uh, before mean, we let you uh, go? Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is ju- that's old school jujitsu 101. No, I mean... Absolutely. You're telling me you don't know what's happening when a guy sits over to like the S mount, like he's not isolating that arm. I, I find that hard. to. I thought he made that. That was old school to me. I don't know. I mean, I think everybody's done that. Who's ever done jujitsu back in the day, sitting off and grabbing that arm bar like that. I, am I wrong on that? Or I think Kenny froze. I think I froze. Yeah, it looks like Kenny froze because I know you're not asking I, me I, about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I, I'll tell you, John, I think I said old school jiu-jitsu and the guy. I, I know. He's, I just, we, he's in a can, trance. Somebody, can somebody check Kenny's pulse? <laughs> he gets so excited. He gets so <laughs> he gets excited. His so froze. But that's the way it looked to me, John. It was really yeah, just no. pretty to watch. He made it look effortlessly. I now, yeah. now I'm getting, you know now, I'm actually starting to get creeped out by Kenny. Yeah. Fucking laughing at you. Kenny. Uh, that's the way Kenny, it looked to me, too, right? Kenny, I want somebody to check your pulse. I was, I got scared shit. I thought you died. I, I don't know what did. the hell happened there. I, I said, I old lost school, you guys. Old school jujitsu, and you just sat there and gave me like the <laughs> evil eye. I go, it's getting creepy. Uh, but am I right on that? I mean, is that dude? It was per. It was textbook. It looked like Hicks and Gracie and Pride. It was Hicks and by arm one. Doubt. It 100%. was beautiful. It really was. It was jujitsu one hundred and one. Yeah. Uh, and he did it against Barbarina. Barbarina knows what an arm bar is, you Without know. But doubt. I think I, Gunny is so good at executing those fundamentals. He's always been that way. Nothing flashy, but man, he is so good. Great to see him get a win over a yes. tough guy like Barbarina. Great but, guy too. Uh, yep. Yeah, he made it look easy, man. I was. It was pretty I wild. Thought, I go, wow. He's tell me he's not going for that arm bar. It was crazy. Yeah. But anyway, I thought it was great. Good for Gunnar Nelson. Uh, great fight. I thought the main card delivered on every fight. I thought it was it was a great main yeah. card. Yeah, it was a great experience overall, and you guys certainly would have appreciated all the fans in London wearing the podcast gear and just the support for our wow. show over there was just crazy. So that was pretty cool to see as well. Long night, nine decisions, 15 fights. Maybe the third or fourth loudest London crowd, that according to our producers, certainly wasn't deafening all night long the way I expected it to be. Maybe not quite as festive as Perth, if I'm being honest, but it was uh, a hugely special week, one of the more unforgettable fight weeks of, uh, of my professional career to be sure. All right, Ray. Hey, uh, Joe, you, one one ahead, quick thing, too, because I love Dan Hardy, but a shout out to his wife. I thought she crushed that fight. Oh, yeah. Man, the violence, the, the way she generated power in some of those, uh, you know, positions on the ground is not easy to do. But, man, she was she was on point And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even know he had a wife. So I'm, I'm happy to, <laughs> you know, you know, shout out to Dan Hardy, man. One of the good guys. I, I like him a lot. And, no, his, and wife, she fought- his wife knocked it out of the park. She fought a really developing but good fighter and a mean girl in Juliana Miller and outclassed her as the plus 325 underdog. I know Kenny didn't see the fight, but Veronica Hardy looked like she had spent three years under the watchful eye of mixed martial arts encyclopedia Dan Hardy. And she posted a caption on Twitter. Dan's far more excited in that photo than any of their wedding photos. And I don't know that any more apt words could have been written there that's so uh all right Ray, Ray, why don't you get on out of here that's about enough New York for me. very okay. insightful young lady 
<laughs> Take it easy, That's guys. Right. I'll talk to you later. Hey, Love right. you, buddy. Take there care. he is, Ray Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. And that is going to just about do it for this episode. We are back later in the week because there is a massive UFC main event coming up this weekend on ESPN. Marlon Cheeto Vera, most decorated finisher in UFC Bantamweight history, taking on Corey Sandhagen a title eliminator at 135 pounds, six picks from Ken Flo and Brian Petrie coming up on this here DraftKings YouTube channel, probably midday Thursday. And thanks to everybody. It seems like most people on the video side have migrated over the DraftKings YouTube channel. Please subscribe, like our videos, and they will populate the hell out of your YouTube channel. Thank you guys all for the support internationally. It means a lot to us. Nothing has changed on the audio side. Full-length version of the Bilal Muhammad interview, that exclusive on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. Of course, the clip's right here on DK. And uh, again, the support means a lot. KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. I mean, why not fucking click that website right now? Like, why not fucking click KennyFlorianMartialArts.com right now? Oh, I know why, because you're going to millions.co to buy one more sleep merchandise. Have you seen the UK designs? They're unbelievable. I learned the whole history about the Union Jack when I was in London, England. And I will say, too, uh, there are all these ripoffs out there. I feel bad, right? There are all these one more sleep ripoffs out there. And millions.co is the only place that you can buy one more sleep merchandise. So if, if it says they won't ship to your country, let me know on social media, and we will absolutely fix that. So uh, thanks, everybody, for the support. And uh, we appreciate Ray Longo and Forrest Griffin joining us. Thanks to our executive producer, Cody Merrill, for Ken Flum, John Anik. We'll talk to you uh, in about 72 hours. Until then, yo fucking later. I love your kids.